in this episode of the WOAS podcast. Unbelievable. You definitely have to have balls or ovaries to nail that. No one does this shit. Let's sort get gossipy. Yeah, let's get a little gossipy. Well, you know, 11 years is a long time. True, true. A smell in the room, like whatever, texture. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the WOAS podcast. We are back to talk about our newest obsession, the one and only Taylor Swift and her re-recorded version of her fourth album, Red. Jeremy and I uh, are going to attempt to make any sense of about the first four or five tracks on that album. We'll see if we play them back to back or not. But we wanted to sort of pay credence to the greatness that is Taylor and all the things that we've learned from both listening as more or less first time listeners, but then being educated by the Swifty community at large, which thank you all you guys for your comments and helpful anecdotes that you donated along the way. Um, we hope this will be get a lot more discussion and hopefully corrections because we know we're going to get, you know, 65% of this wrong as we did last time. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, though. Yeah, I think by the end of this, um, the end of the first episode, we were Swifties. By the end of right. this episode, I want us to be like full on conspiracy theory Swifties, where we know that people in the comments will fill us in on every little lyric and the meaning of it so that we're like, well, yeah. for all the Swift lore. Yeah, please. I mean, you know, as it became last time, uh, let's make this a discussion. I don't know if any of you guys saw this last time, but we put up a little short to thank a bunch of you for your insightful comments and kind of ran through maybe about five different comments from the anecdotes that uh, you guys furnished. So thanks. And we'll do that again, of course. So Jeremy, uh, before we even kind of get into specifics, I know this was my second time listening to Red, I think the first time I went through the whole album. So trying to parse all that in one go was a little overwhelming. Focusing right. on about right four to six songs this time was a little bit more digestible. And especially when I had to go and do, you know, like old version and Taylor's version side by side. Uh, some In some cases, a couple of times, it forced me to listen more intently. Do you have sort of an overall initial gut reaction to what you listened to? We made a playlist, by the way, of about... Uh, five or six songs, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. So listening to this after our last episode was interesting because I, like I said, am not like a big Swifty and I am not super familiar with her old catalog for sure, but I did yeah. listen to her newest album, which, which I thought was really cool and yeah. had a lot more modern production and interesting ideas on it. And so hearing this older stuff, that's back to like acoustic guitars and, um, the country influence, but also there's some, you know, of that era pop things going on. Yeah. Interesting to hear the, how much she had, how far she's come as an artist and listen to the different changes. And I liked listening back to back to Taylor's version and then the old version and mm -hmm. seeing, okay, they're very, very similar in many ways. Yeah. There yeah. are some like maybe some different microphone choices that were used on like the vocals or vocal production techniques. Mm -hmm. Or in many cases, I thought Taylor's voice is just she sounds a little bit older now. She sounds like a woman and not like a teenage. Yes. And I thought it helped some of the songs actually. I thought they were actually better with her current voice singing them. She's got a stronger voice now. Um she's always had a, a, a decent voice, but you know she's able to project in a different way and well do yeah so. and also um on that note too 
this is like 11 years down the line. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go back to that in one second. Something you said. um, So she is older, obviously. Um, Oh, I know. The execution of it, the production, everything involved, the arrangement, matching the old versions Mm -hmm. is probably, you know, very deliberate. Because I'm expecting out of the gate, like, oh, like, this is going to be the stamp she puts on it where, you know, whatever they did the first time, the producers made X and Y choices, and this is how it came out. I really wanted it to sound like just an acoustic ballad, or I wanted it to sound like a country song, or I wanted it to sound like a pop song. It's very carefully and precisely matching what the previous version did. And then you get the benefit if you know these songs well, which we don't really yet, but all the fans do of like hearing those like subtle differences, which is probably very like mind blowing when you get used to hearing it one way. And then there's like these like little adjustments and you're like, oh, like what you're saying, like you hear her sort of older sensibility and all that stuff. Uh, So anyway, it's just like it's interesting because if part of the intention was to sort of sidestep the whole ownership issue and put out essentially the same product, but just with like a little bit more pizzazz on it or whatever polish rather um she achieved that like yeah I, I i we were saying off camera before you know i couldn't any anything that i've recorded that you know simple or complex i i wouldn't be able to match it with this level of you know parody that uh she and and all of her collaborators have so you know that that's a feat unto itself but another thing this is 11 years down the line <laughs> Where she's at, you okay? I need a minute. Hang on. A quick request. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. You like this video? Leave a comment down below. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. We'll make more content like this. It helps the algorithm. End of request. Okay, Jeremy's back and he's still alive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's 11 years down the line. And one other sort of, you know, maybe not as obvious factor, but is definitely a factor is, She's been putting out more albums since Red to now, but she's been touring probably like crazy for the last 11 years. So assuming that she's, you know, these songs are in her set, she's probably beyond perfected the recorded version, Mm -hmm. right? So because like, you know, for, for those of us that don't, or those of you, whatever, that don't know this or don't think about this way in terms of the songs that you know from an artist that are then performed live in concert, there's like the, maybe the song kind of version that you wrote before you record it. When you get in and record stuff, you make choices, sometimes deliberate and mapped out, sometimes in the moment. And then that gets kind of, soli- you know, once you release that song, that's solidified forever as like, that's the version of that song. You could do a new one, but what you laid down is that version of the song. And then that informs like how you're going to perform it because you're not going to perform it differently, especially after you just released it, right? Because the fans are going to want to hear what they hear on the recording so she's had that version for 11 years the, the you know the original version of any of these songs that she's had to perform live so she's probably even more equipped to kind of mimic it than she would have been when she originally recorded it, you know so that's like that's a weird little and cool subtle kind of underscoring um to like what maybe makes it sound different that's not as easily definable because i really struggled with like if everything we put on this playlist to to try to pick out nuances the first song the opening track state of grace there's a couple of not so subtle things that are some production choices that sound differently enough and and i'm sure 
was an example of Taylor going like, oh, I actually want this to sound a little bit this way versus right. what it was originally. But they're negligible differences, even to trained ears. And it's great because being able to, again, recreate that all these years later, like that, just another example of why she's a, a great talent, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about this from like a touring standpoint. Um, I bet Taylor's latest tour eras where she's going back to all these old songs mm -hmm. playing through her discography has been helped in a lot of ways by her re-releasing these uh, albums with in, in the Taylor's versions because she's going to have to go back and relearn all the subtle nuances of how she sang it originally. Yeah. Um, I know... Uh, people try their best to keep things exactly how they are on the record um, touring, but over time things slowly shift and change and morph, whether it's like just the way you're delivering a line or um, maybe an arrangement gets changed on a song live. Yeah. that That's really helps our eras tour connect with the audiences more because it sounds exactly like they're going to hear on the record because she's had to go back and relearn it all. Yeah. And I mean, they, you know, and that's that's great, too, for a fan where I would imagine that most fans want to hear mm -hmm. what they expect from the recordings. And, and not, you know, like unless you're following like Pearl Jam in the early 2000s, right, where, you know, they're just playing like just tons of shows and releasing tons of bootlegs. And, you know, there's all these different um, versions and recordings of things, the Grateful Dead, Fish, whatever, you yeah. know, but that like that's that's unique to that brand of or that like like that lifestyle of music listening mm -hmm. um and i think especially with you know like a like a famous pop artist yeah you don't want to deviate so um right. and then just on some specific notes because you know we're just kind of speaking in the general sense of maybe what went into this uh it was interesting reading about this so some existing personnel that were involved in the original one came back which is interesting so I'm basing this all off the wiki. So any Swifties, don't get pissed off if I get this wrong because it's on the wiki. So go edit that if you disagree. But uh, <laughs> a few names that have come up in some of our conversations at other points. Jack Antonoff, I think, was instrumental in this newest version. But the, like, the, the main co-producer next to Taylor was Christopher Rowe. So it, it says he produced the album with the majority of the original producers. And then, sorry, like Jack Antonoff is listed in that. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, I didn't realize Ed Sheeran was, no, I'm sorry. I did realize Ed Sheeran was on, I just didn't get to that in the, <laughs> in the playlist process today, but Ed uh -huh. Sheeran comes back to recut his vocals and other guest vocals, Phoebe Bridgers, who, who we've mentioned before during our Daisy Jones and the six discussion, she's on this and Chris Stapleton, who knew amazing. Maybe all of you knew, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, the Swifties definitely, yeah, did. they, they did. And, but that's like, cool again, 11 years down the line, not that she doesn't have the pull, but like to have all these people come back and help recreate that. Like no one does this shit, <laughs> you know, unbelievable to hear from the Swifties in the comments. I want them to spill the tea on the Ed Sheeran Taylor relationship there. And how oh they yeah, they let's get gossipy. Yeah. Let's get a little gossipy in the comments. <laughs> What brought Ed back? Because my understanding, which, you know, I don't follow this stuff at all, was, you know, they were on the outs. Oh. Well, you know, 11 years is a long time. True, true. And that's a lot of, in her case, relationship 
stepping stones. And I, I think it's, I don't know if he's married or whatever, yeah, but you know, sure. I'm sure he's, yeah. Um, good, I believe. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, they've, they've all kind of gotten all that behind them. Right. Um, whatever the backstory is. Um, oh, okay. So this is another important point too, um, from a production perspective, because I don't see otherwise definitely read something earlier on in support of this, any of this instrumentation, which almost sounds identical for most of these songs, like the guitars being played, the synths, um, there's some subtle differences maybe on like, um, I knew we were trouble. There's differences on that that are subtle, but they're they almost sound like mixing differences. But anyway, because of the nature of why she did this, they didn't use any pre-existing recorded tracks, or they couldn't have in terms of the masters owned by another entity would legally prevent that. So then that means they had to like go and listen to the released tracks and then figure out all of the things they wanted to match and then get in touch with all of the other producers that were involved and say like, Hey, um, you are, or the engineer on this, like what was the virtual instrument you used for this part of this song? You know, right. what, what like guitar was I Taylor using at the time? Did you like mic the amps on this or was it virtual amps Yep. who were singing all of like the background vocals that were not, you know, famous musicians, were they session players? Like there's probably a lot of, research and time that had to go into tracking all this down let alone recreate it yeah you're so, hoping the producers keeping exquisite production notes like down yeah every detail otherwise you're going to be re-engineering a lot of stuff yeah because if this was like i don't know 40 years ago when it was all tape mm -hmm. all of this information would have been literally physical notes right stuff written on like the tape canister and, and like, you know, hopefully stored in there with the tape reel and mm -hmm. um, it's wild. So it just, you know, like make no mistake when you hear something like this, way more work went into this than just the personnel, the time in the studio and her and them practicing to get this right. I mean, they, they probably had to do a lot of recon to go back in time and have a lot of conversations with people to, to pull all this together. Yeah. So that just blows my mind. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work to do. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder if they did all of the production stuff ahead of time and then they bring Taylor in. They're like, look, the track's ready. Just cut the vocals. We yeah. did all the really yeah. hard work. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I, I guess. But that's also a big undertaking without her input yeah. as well, right? So I, I would imagine they they had to pull her in early and often, but but who knows? And And... Kudos to the entire session team that would have been involved in this. Because that's the other thing is like, did they use all the same musicians? Possibly not. So then if they, if someone else had to just like mimic what someone else did, like, you know, that's, that's wild. So anyway, so with these songs, I think the only thing I'm kind of hesitant about is just trying to, like, I don't want to play like, I don't know, a minute and a half worth of song to kind of get yeah. in the meat potatoes. So I think maybe I'll just sort of pick some points and jump around and commit to it. So like, I'll start with something on state of grace. Okay. And then just try to pick the same point in time on the Taylor's version. Yeah. This is the one song I listened to and I had never really heard this one. Okay. I really like the edge esque U two kind of. Style. Ah, oh man, you beat me to it. We didn't even get there. So, okay. I'll hold my, <laughs> my specific comments on that. But the, the other side of that coin that I can reveal 
um, is that the original version sounds like another band's production and another band's style. And then, yes, the re-recording sounds like a U2 kind of thing in the sense of like they stripped it down in the way like all the instrumentation sounds in the room. But let's mm -hmm. let the audience decide. So I'm just going to pick a random stake in the original version of State of Grace. I'll go like something like 30 seconds in. Let me just 35 seconds. Which means Sounds like to me. The killers. Especially when it goes into the chorus. Okay, so it was like 35 to 118. So I'll do the same section for killers. Stated, yeah, for Taylor's version. Jeremy, you too. And what, I mean, what we mean by like Killers and you too is the, the pacing of the instrumentation and stuff in the original version and the way they kind of saturate the whole sort of like soundscape with um, like a depth. It's kind of hard to explain, but it, it just a lot of it's, reverb and and delay stuff going on yeah and it's and it's like um everything's kind of driving more and then mm -hmm. in in this version it's a little bit more laid back you mm -hmm. hear like the drum sound in the room like happening sort of after every kind of note from every instrument sort of like lays out you just like you hear the drums just kind of like ring out a little bit and there's that like dur, dur, they're just hitting like some of those like slow arpeggios on the guitar it's really reminiscent of you two from you know many albums and eras, but like let's say Rattle and Hum or um, Joshua Tree, Joshua Tree era for sure. Yeah, and, which is amazing. And you know, I wonder if that was a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, it, she's singing it. Like I said, most of these songs she's singing the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but like, there is a rejuvenation in the energy in her voice. There's mm -hmm. a maturity. It is a little bit more like way up front. Like they, yeah, they definitely crank the vocals on, yeah, on this version. It's just cool to have it be reminiscent of two different styles in general, but then also based on whatever maybe she's kind of picked up and learned and appreciated. Because you could argue if we're going to stick with this killer's U2 thing is like, and this is not a value judgment on on either band, right? But killers, they're not new now, but like they're newer than U2 maybe not as sort of learned and polished as you two. So it's like appropriate that the second version, if it sounds like you two has that kind of graduated quality to it. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. You know, so, but anyway, either way, well done. Like this is a great song. The production's yeah. fantastic on both of them. And 
I could see an occasion for just listening to both. I think I would vibe out more on, on the new version. And I, I want to just stay tuned to any Swifty that's listening that has a hard time swallowing the new version of like everything you've known for the last 11 years. It's still cool that there's like another way to listen to and enjoy these songs in this album that maybe got a little familiar, too familiar before. I like that phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> Not stale, too familiar. I like it. Um, yeah. I would I would listen to the new one, I think. I think it's just a little more rounded out for today's music. I wonder if Taylor's ever thought about just re-releasing some of the songs that weren't singles as singles, just with the Taylor's version. I don't know if she's done that or not. Maybe there, the Swift. Well, so there are other um, and this is like, you know, forgive us because we're not as familiar with the whole catalog, but there are other tracks, and I learned this from the um Wikipedia that so they, you know, what they say is that it's a, you know, re-recording of the deluxe edition, which is neither here nor there, because usually deluxe editions just have additional stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the thirty-track Red Taylor's version includes re-recorded versions of twenty songs from the deluxe edition of Red, the twenty twelve charity single Ronin, the ten-minute-long unabridged version of All Too Well, which I didn't get to that. Swift's own recordings of Better Man and Babe. And so on. There's some from the vault tracks and yada yada. So anyway, to your point, there may be stuff on here that would kind of fit that bill where it's like it didn't see the light of day. You know, may maybe again it's a one to one with the, the deluxe version to this. Yeah. But yeah, but that would be cool, right? If it was something that just didn't make it on the first cut of red. Mm -hmm. And that people were aware of with the deluxe one, but how many people buy or listen to or whatever both versions after they really got into one? when it say it was only released a year or two later, right? So therefore, like this, having all those extra tracks, giving people a reason to check it out, mm -hmm. then they go and discover those new hidden gems. I'm a real stickler for like things you've never heard before from an album that you thought you knew the entirety of and, and like different arrangements. So like this whole thing is really up my alley, but I love this with any artist that I'm into, honestly. Right. Okay, so moving on to um, Red. Let's just pick... Uh, let's stick with the 30, 35 range and see. Safe. Yeah. <laughs> I do have some other thoughts just on the song itself, lyric being whatnot, but we'll circle back on that. All right, so Taylor's version of Red. guitar wake cranked up on this section. Still bad vocal thing.
Um, Everything just sounds a lot more polished. And yeah, and it's like a little bit. It's not bigger because the other version's big too. But the the first version I think is like the that's all country. In the first version, it's very country delivery. Right. With the way they lay those like higher harmonies underneath, and just got a little bit of the twang in there. There's more of that later in other songs. Yep. And it's like a little less twang and a little bit less background vocal, and then like kind of harder driving electric guitar, which is cool. Cause and they're like subtle differences, but it 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 would be the difference between it being played on one type of radio format and another even today, you know. Yeah. One's CMA and the other one's not, <laughs> you know, right. or not as much. But Those one one thing sound like they fit a lot more in the second version like in the first one like mm -hmm. you're saying it's got that country twang yeah you hit me with like a lady gaga poker face vocal cutout. Yes. yeah it doesn't fit as well as it does in the second version that's Just a good point yeah right it like yeah it's almost out of place in version yeah so like it's just almost like bridging the gap years later in terms of like where this album probably really where she wanted to be. And they and maybe even from a production point of view, they were like, well, we'll just keep it country here and then throw in your little pop thing, you know, later. Um, <laughs> one other kind of general point that was meant for the whole collection, but that popped in my head while I was listening to the say was that, you know, OK, so she's older and wiser and brings that to the vibe of the song and, and the passion and everything. In other words, it doesn't matter that she's whatever is going on in this song is maybe not going on now, but she still understands that, right? But also, I think that what makes this stuff work so well, too, in terms of it being believable, is that it's like these songs are all her children, and she's taking care to, like, recreate it the way it was meant to be. It's not deviating too much. So I'm saying before, oh, you know, I'm expecting things to be so different, and they're mm -hmm. not. And, you know, that may be another aspect of it where it's just like, no, no, you're perfect the way you are. I just want to give it a little bit more of a different flavor now than I would have when I was yeah. know, 20 something. I would say it's more like refinishing an old chair. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just give it a 220 on the sanding and, you know, yeah. kind of, right, just re-smooth it out. I want to make sure my analogies are really relatable for Swifties. Yeah, this is definitely not late 30s to early 40-year-old guy stuff at all, but... I would use tongue oil personally on the wood, but that's just well, me. The bold choice, bold choice. <laughs> it just sets in very easily. and gives the wood a nice touch. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So the next one would be treacherous. Let's give that a go at the 30 or so second mark. That seems to be the winner. Yeah. All right, now Treacherous Taylor's version. Just Jeremy, if I forget, I actually want to go back through about two or three of these songs and talk about lyrics. Okay. Um, we're so concerned about sort of like the sound quality and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. But there's some really great, great examples on this album of 
why she's a great lyricist, and we'll come back to that, but just don't let me forget. Okay. Okay, Treacherous Taylor's version. To the gravity's too much. And I'll do anything you say. More hand percussion in this version. If you say it with your hands. And I'd be smart to walk away. But you're quick. I don't. I'd have to listen again, but like I don't remember if there's a male backing vocal on the original. I don't think there is. And okay. There's also some different, like you're saying, percussion. Percussion. There's yeah. a very prominent tambourine that gets yeah. buried in the second one, and just the entire mm-hmm. vocal delivery. Yeah. Is way different on this one. This one might be the most different. She's equally up on the mic and breathy on the chorus on the you know this love is treachery right and then but but like before that unlike the original version. She's not as breathy and upfront. Yeah. So it gives it more like natural dynamic. Mm-hmm. Feels like more of a lift when she actually hits the chorus. Also, in addition to Temeries, there's like these like little, little tiny little hand claps going on there, yes. which I think would really makes a subtle difference, but but an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We are never getting back together. My favorite. My wife's favorite. Trust me. Remember how that lasted for a day? I say, I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love you. We are never getting back together. Taylor's version. I hate you. We break up. You call me. I love you. I don't mean it's like a real snare. I'm saying like just like that that smacks. Smack it for sure. <laughs> so I would say that the uh lead vocals on the We Are Never Getting Back Together in the chorus are like way fucking tight in that version. Uh-huh. More so than the original. Yeah. I agree. And her energy is there. Like it's not this is, you know, none of this shit's phoned in, but like this one in particular, you know, this is more of a sort of young teenage kind of anthem feel to it mm-hmm. and it still feels like that her being you know whatever 32 or so or 33 i think reapplying that vocal now with the yeah. same enthusiasm mm-hmm. yeah, maybe yeah. That, that's all there is to say about that moving on to uh <laughs> well I it almost... sounds like it sounds to me like on the the high notes on the we yeah it it almost sounds like um 
they brought in some younger people to sing just that note so it would still have the same vibe. I don't know if, if that's what happened or not, but that would be interesting. I mean, it begs the question, did they do that on the original version too? You know, she had like yeah. friends and peers and or, you know, or session singers. Yeah, that that whole kind of almost cracking is like probably supposed to sound a little bit unfettered people right. having fun, right? So yeah, good point. It may be just that that they wanted to bring in people who are just having fun singing it, which is cool. Swifties, let us know. Yeah. All they right. Will, so they know everything about Taylor. They do. They do. Keep us honest. Um, all right. So I'm going to move on to uh, I Almost Do, original version. By the window, looking out at the city, and I bet sometimes you wonder about me. Very uh, country harmony going on in that um, chorus. Yep. And I don't think it's any less so in the, the in Taylor's version, but um, just wanted to point that out before the memory decays. You're sitting in your chair by the window Looking out of the city and I bet Sometimes you wonder about me Beautiful recording. And I just want to tell same kind of harmony. It takes everything in me not to call you. But it's more subdued, the backing is vocal. And I wish I could run to you. And I hope you know that every time I don't, I almost do. I almost do. It's got like a different reverb on it too. On yeah. the vocal. Yeah, and it like I think probably the the way that she wrote this, it it's naturally how she wanted it to be. So there there wouldn't have been any reason to kind of do a, a different vocal arrangement. But the first version is like they're trying to hit the mark in a big way, hit the bullseye on the country feel, and it's still there in this version. It's just like I said, subdued where that backing vocal supports it the way it needs to but it's not like her main objective was like make it twang you know in my opinion i wonder if taylor is playing the guitar on these two versions because the guitar playing is great on it yeah yeah i would i assume so i mean at least guitar? for the acoustic parts like if that's her playing she's way better at guitar than i gave her credit for oh yeah yeah i mean again you know this is however long into a career and 11 years since the original recording so you know, that's a lot of time spent playing live, playing in, in sessions. Mm -hmm. So just another thing to add to the toolkit. Yeah, it's so clean. And to hit those chords that, that are on the song and hit them that cleanly and get yeah, those it, right, it's so much more difficult than people realize. Yes, it's yeah. So like you have to have confidence that you're not going to hit sour notes, but be okay with it if you do. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we're in an age now where you do one measure in that song at a time if you want to and no one's going to know the difference because an engineer can just edit it together but i'm sure that's not what happened and to be able to just you know just nail those big open chords and like it have all the feel and passion that it's supposed to 
Um, like you need, you definitely have to have uh, balls or ovaries to to nail that. Yeah, Sex she's, yeah. <laughs> she's good. She's a, she's a good guitar player. We can, I think we can say that with all certainty. Yeah. So if we're done with that one, that leads us, I think, into probably the great pin on at least the music review part of this, mm-hmm. which is I knew you were trouble because I remember when um, I probably first heard this and I don't even think I knew it was her, like when this song came out and then learning about her and then realizing that, oh yeah, this is like Taylor did this at this point in her career. This is kind of where for sure in the 2012 point in time, everyone's bringing in these like little like dubstepy electro things that make you know, the choruses sound bigger and give more energy and stuff. And this song has a lot of that. And then also like distorted vocals. And there's similar choices made on, you know, between the two versions. But once again, it maybe like fits a little bit better with today with the way they treat it in the second, the newer version. So let's, let's do a little side by side with this. I knew you were trouble original version. like so buzzy the boy you know <laughs> like you want yeah. that like the sheet the screen to shake you know yeah. um okay it's got, all the it, it's got like the filtered thing and everything yeah i i, I had to give them cr- or her credit from a writing point of view of like when you hear the where we started like in you know the 29 second range or whatever that really upbeat like fun kind of verse uh-huh. you would never see that chorus coming ever <laughs> right i agree and that and the, the the section that bridges the gap like like that's a, a really smart kind of move to put that in between the two because it like gives you time to adjust to the key changes and the the major to minor thing yep so anyway well done Taylor and company um okay uh, I knew you were trouble Taylor's version. A little less affected like it was in the original version the vocals less distorted it's still distorted but it's not like kitschy like in your face yeah and you know, like there's still that buzzsaw kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. but like 
the vocals that wrap around it before she says trouble because it's like a call and response like uh 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 like they're they're like a little bit more edgy than they are in the original version i think right so i agree i agree yeah and and to me that all adds up to like it makes it a little bit less dated mm -hmm. than the previous version right yeah and it just is more confident all around i don't know yeah yeah behind it sure well it's like i think we were saying this one of the other songs it's it's as if particularly in the verse leading up into it and that that like let's say that pre-chorus leading it's as if she's not trying to be as affected as affected tone as she would have 11 years ago for the sake of making it more like radio friendly or or whatever like the flavor of the month is at the time right it's like no this is how i will sing it now and I'll stick to the melodies and the energy, but like this is how it should sound. It's great. And you also don't get when she's doing those big jumps, the octave mm-hmm. jumps. She's not yeah. going too breathy. The tone no. is more even. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a real singer. It doesn't sound yeah. like manipulated. Where where it sounds more right. It sounds more manipulated. I, than you... I agree. I I think Taylor has grown a lot, and yeah, I I really like her newest album, and I think uh, having her redo these old songs is. Uh, interesting experiment yeah i mean like who's done this i ever probably very nope. few if any yeah so yeah, i so the artist like goes back and redoes an old album it's like a sad kind of thing you're like yeah oh, yeah, that well, kind of <laughs> yeah you know that's a good point though is you know maybe like that's implicit in what we've been saying but maybe not yeah sad or it just doesn't have the energy and the appeal that the original version had, like, for instance, um, this is a stupid example, but like uh, Sam and the Sham and the Pharaohs, the guys that did like, hey, there, little Red Riding Hood and Wooly Bully, which I think it was Dr. John's first group, side note. But anyway, if you listen to Wooly Bully, the original, like the one that we all know, mm-hmm. it's like in the opening of the movie Splash, right? <laughs> Great song. Yeah, it's awesome. And if you listen to it carefully, though, it's like really just like, sloppy and all over the place but in a great way mm-hmm. and then there's like a re-recording of it maybe like three to five years later and it just sucks in comparison because it doesn't have the energy and all of the mistakes and the whatever that were in the original version like you know where they were in the room because they probably record that with just like a handful of mics yeah you know it's tough to capture energy there's um yeah. i was listening to an interview with um on rick beato's channel where he's okay. talking to, um you know Nuno Betancourt? Yeah, Nuno Betancourt. Yeah. yeah. And Nuno was talking about how they, he doesn't, like, if he does a demo now, the demo is the final version. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he just doesn't even do demos. He's like, this, we're just going to record it and how it comes out because it's so hard to recapture the energy. So, much less yeah. a fully produced track. And then you're trying to redo that again. Just even for the sake of not being able to like be in the same room and be the same age and have the same like distance from the recording source or like where the mic was played. Like, you know, you would never be able to do it exactly the same way anyway. So again, this album seems to have essentially achieved that. And that's why it's mind blowing. Yeah. Like even like, uh, you know, let's say like a a popular example of Aerosmith. And I mean, it's different because they had like a rap group involved, but you know, like the original walk this way. And then, you know, the, the version they did with run DMC both exciting versions, but they're wildly different. Yep. And 
it may not have felt as awesome if like they didn't have run DMC in it in the sense that you may have just heard and go like, well, this doesn't sound like the original, so it sucks. But, you know, in the case of that collaboration with run DMC, that element added in gave it inherently more energy, but it was a different thing. So if you go in a different direction with the re-recording of your own stuff completely, that's one thing, but to think you're going to recapture that is insane. So just so we don't forget and it needs to get its due. Um, I want to talk lyrics. I genuinely, I'm going to put myself out there, folks. Listen to State of Grace for the first time. Well, whatever, not the first time, but the side-by-side comparison uh, and kind of rediscovered it today. And it kind of got in my head and heart and like, you know, made me feel like, oof. specifically something I noticed with her that I I wrote down as a note today and I shared with um, a a Swifty friend of mine was that uh, I think one of the reasons she's so effective in general as a performer, as a writer, whatever, Mm -hmm. is her ability to put really specific imagery into the song so it's like there's a setting a time and a place a feeling like a smell in the room like whatever texture and that seems like sometimes it would be easy to do but not to like carry out through a whole song and make you feel something the whole time mm-hmm. and then as a result too she's able to articulate the emotions so like in state of grace um you know it's like okay i i'm walking fast through the traffic lights busy streets and busy lives okay so it's like you know we're we got a setting going. That's great. But then this was the line that got me was, you know, she's talking about a moment where it's just her and her boyfriend, lover, whatever, and twin fire signs for blue eyes. And I was like, that is amazing because <laughs> it is just poetic. But then she could have said two of us with blue eyes or, you know, s- some less pretty sounding description. but. You know, to me, something like that is like, that's poetry right there. It's mm-hmm. just, it's like a stupid little line, but it really sets an emotional and magical kind of tone. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what it is about that, but I, that really stuck with me. And usually things like that don't kind of poke out at me as much. It's a new way to say something that you're kind of. Yeah, already- I, that's what it is. Thank you. Yeah. Cause like, there's all this specific stuff and then that's more of a um, abstraction of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that to, to add on to your point, there's this beautiful artistic abstraction that she throws in there, juxtaposed to the specific scene setting. And that's good storytelling. And it's a good way to like grab people's heartstrings and like pull them into a moment. In red, I think in general, I like the playing with color thing. And that's probably like the most obvious thing, especially if we're talking about it from like a, a fan point of view where people know this content well. Um, I just thought that that was super cool. And this is like me just some dope for like hearing this for the first time being like, oh, well, that's a great concept. But losing him was blue. Like I'd never known. Missing him was dark gray all alone. Forgetting him was like trying to know somebody you'd never met, but loving him was red. Like, th- like, using colors as adjectives uh-huh. if that's in fact what it is um is i think also something where i wouldn't expect someone at that point in time at that age to come up with something so clever right you know because it's that's that's another abstraction as well where you know that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people but it's not like loving him was hard, 
losing him was sad, you know, yeah. it's color tones. And, and I, that, I feel like that probably also connects with the wide range of creative sensibilities, people that are either like our artists or like you're a business person or you're, you know, like everyone can kind of like understand that. So there's this in the abstraction, there's kind of like this common language. So I, I just, I think that's a pretty neat trick that, that she threw in there. And then yeah, we'll like, trick doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, no, no. I mean, in a good way, like you want tricks in your songs to kind of hook people, whether it be don't make this too long, give it to them sooner, or this move is going to make this next section more palatable or whatever. So um, I think playing the the imagery game in a way where it's abstract enough, where it can mean many things to many people, but also as a device, everyone understands color. So now I'm just going to fish around the dark for a second. So we'll cut out whatever if I'm wasting time, but there's a couple other songs in here where there's lyrics that are either funny or insightful or whatever. So which song are you talking about? Oh, no. Well, it's on the list, but all too well. Um, Mike, tell me about the lyrics to all too well. So funny you mentioned that, even though it's not on the playlist, <laughs> the, the lyrics to all too well, there's another moment. So she says, she's speaking to the love interest and she says, smells like innocence and reminds you of me. That's another lyrical device where I can either picture being her and like seeing what she's feeling towards the other person or being the one that she's singing to and kind of getting both sides of it, you know, because in that song in All Too Well, I think this is the one where um, they grew up together and and like it didn't work out and maybe it wasn't the right time. And, and, and she's kind of addressing all that, I guess, from both perspectives. So so the lyrical content in that, I would say, makes me feel like I'm on both sides of the equation. Like I see where she's coming from, what she thinks of him, and then and then what it must have been like for him and, and how he's being sung about. What does innocence smell like? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's smart to engage all the senses whenever you're writing a song. Yeah. Like personal song, because so much of our memory, especially, is tied to sense. Yeah. So start bringing in like that sensory aspect of smell, mm -hmm. I think um, innately relates to that. And yeah, it gets, it gets your listener in a more intimate space right away. Well, yeah. And, and in addition to the fact that like those things do trigger memories, like in general. So just to even mention that kind of like puts you in that headspace to, you know, to your point. And just like a couple other lyrics from that song too. You almost ran off the road cause you were looking at me so casually cruel in the name of being honest. I wrote a note that said, if an alien life form needed to understand the emotional journey of a young girl coming of age in America at this time, this captures it. Um, uh. <laughs> and, then my, and then my note to myself was, summary, I got so lost in the emotion of this song, I stopped thinking about how it compares to the original. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing, though. That's great. Get that Taylor re-recorded it, and you just get lost back in what the song yeah, and and you know, and maybe that's worth like mentioning again. I I don't know the original version so intimately, but just even trying to do a side by side, like one song, then the same song over again, different version, and then forgetting where I'm at, <laughs> you know, two and a half minutes into the new song because I'm I'm enjoying it so much. Like, obviously, it works, you know. But uh, one of instead of digging around trying to find examples because I think they're all obvious, but there's also, and I've said this before, there's also like a ton of humor where there's just like funny observations and and that maps to specific lyrics of course but also like she pokes fun at herself like one of the songs she's mentioning how like i'm sure you're listening to something indie that's like way cooler than my stuff <laughs> so i appreciate that like it doesn't seem like she uh, is afraid to poke fun at herself
Yeah, that's great. I wonder if our Swifties can tell us their favorite lyrics from this album. Yeah, please, because I'm sure I like missed the mark on on what I referenced, but yeah, let us know. And also maybe other standout moments between the two versions that are maybe even more representative of what we're trying to get at. Because, you know, like, honestly, the, the, this video, by the time we edit this down, will probably be like a good 35 to 40 minutes anyway, if not more. And it would be twice that or three times that if we did the whole album. But understanding that, yeah, let us know if there's other stuff in there that and tell us, you know, what about it? It is that special or different. Um, and then, of course, even the stuff that we covered. But yeah, hopefully uh, that was a fun journey that you guys took with us. And, and we did everyone proud, including Taylor, which thank you, Taylor, for making this. We uh, we enjoyed kind of doing an, an A-B um, listen of this and to try to find any Easter eggs or whatever. It's like compare the two pictures when you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Things like, oh, there you go. Yeah. 15 differences. Yeah. But yeah, well done all around. This was pretty fantastic. I think the next thing we have to look forward to is 1989, right? Is that accurate? I think that's coming out later this month in October. And maybe if this video does well, we'll do this again. We will review Taylor's albums all day long. If that's what it takes. That's what it takes. (laughs) No, but we quite enjoyed this. So thanks for humoring us and, um, you know, we uh, we look forward to uh, continuing the discussion with you guys. So let us know what you, what you think. And uh, please like and subscribe because at this point we're all friends, right? So let's do that and we can make more fun content together if that sounds good to you. Please do it. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, another episode under the belt. I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, felt great. I thought thought you did a great job. Um, well, you I, as well, my friend. Try, try. <laughs> But we did it, man. <laughs> we did. We did. Let's, uh, you know, if we do another review, let's get your wife's input. Oh, man. She has wildly <laughs> different views than what we're expressed here. <laughs> we'll just leave it. Even I was trying to be like, Anna. You're Anna. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Take it easy, man. She spent a lot of time on the sound. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. All right, man. All right. Well, I'll see you on the next episode. All right. Get you in the next one. All right. Take it easy. Did you enjoy that episode? Yes? Would you like to see and hear more? Please like and subscribe and you'll automatically receive notifications when we publish new episodes. Thanks for watching and listening to the WOAS Podcast.